Well, this morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. And so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us. Who, who have borne the, the burden of the work and the heat of the day? But he answered them. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Well, I guess that's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, that parable always bothers us, doesn't it? I mean, we've got to be honest. It bothers us. It just doesn't seem fair. doesn't seem fair that those people who showed up at the end got the same pay as the folks who worked all day, even though the folks who worked all day got a fair wage. He didn't cheat them at all. We've been taught, <clears throat> the reason I think this parable disturbs us so much is because we've been taught to view the world through the lens of scarcity. There's not enough to go around, so you better get what's yours. And whoever gets there first and, do, and works the hardest gets the most. And in the scarcity mindset, the, you know, if anyone else gets anything, it diminishes you and what you can get. And so in the scarcity mindset, there have to be those who have and those who have not in order for the thing to work. But God doesn't have a scarcity mindset. God works out of an abundance mindset. And it's a totally different way of looking at life. And this parable illustrates the difference really well. One of my favorite uh, Old Testament scholars is uh, Walter Brueggemann. And in his social media post one day, he, he wrote this. And it stuck with me when he wrote it. I thought about it. This, this is the quote. Scarcity is the lie. Abundance is the truth, end quote. Scarcity is the lie. Abundance is the truth. Now, assuming that Dr. Brueggemann is right, our culture has certainly bought the lie because we live in this scarcity mindset. We're taught 
uh, how to live and how to have that mindset in everything we do. And our mindset goes like this. There's not enough money to go around. So you better get yours. And when you get yours, you better hang on to it. Because if you don't, someone else will get it. And somehow, if somebody else gets money, that diminishes you. Because that's money you can't get now. And there's only so much to go around. So you got to watch out for you and you got to hope other people don't do so well. Because there's just not enough to go around. There's not enough success to go around. So you better get yours. And if somebody else starts to look a little successful, you better do something to kind of cut their feet out from under them because any success they get is diminishes you because that's success you can't have. And so we view the world through this lens. And this scarcity mindset compels us to think of money and success and popularity and even kindness as things that we keep to ourselves and somehow if someone else gets them, it diminishes us. And that way of thinking causes us to, have, to live these tight-fisted, hard-hearted lives, trying to get ours before someone else does. It's us against them. It's me against you. And this scarcity mindset in the end becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, the parable we read this morning always leaves people with their heads shaking. Going, I just don't get it. Because uh, our sense of fairness has been offended uh, because we view the world through a scarcity mindset and God views it through an abundance mindset. Now, in this story that we read, there's this group of workers who agree to work all day long for a denarius and a denarius was a good wage. So they were being paid well. So they showed up, they, they, they did their job, they got paid a good wage. But some other folks showed up later to the game. They still got paid the same wage, which time and time again, God proves he doesn't know much about how to run a business. <laughs> um, but, you know, a few verses uh, earlier in the last chapter, Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, we have left our jobs. We've left our homes. We have given up everything to follow you. And I'm going to paraphrase this a little, but this is exactly what Peter said. So Jesus, and he said it rather, um, um, he said it with, with a sense of entitlement. Jesus, what's in it for us? I mean, we, we gave up our jobs. We gave up everything. We've been following you around. What's in it for me? And a lot of people, a lot of scholars believe that this parable is Jesus' response to Peter. I'll tell you what's in it, Peter. The same grace that the people get who didn't give up their jobs and follow me. That's what's in it for you. It's the same. It's the same grace. You remember the parable of the father who had two sons and one of them took his inheritance and went off and squandered it on God knows what and finally came back home and the father received him and threw him a party and welcomed him back in the family. And the older brother could not understand. He had been there and worked every day and been faithful, and yet this younger son got welcomed back. He seemed that he deserved more than this younger son. 
You know, it could be that the first congregation who ever read the Gospel of Matthew had a bunch of, of Jewish people in it who had become followers of Jesus. They'd lived their whole life following Jewish dietary laws. Doing, they'd endured all kinds of stuff to, to follow Jesus. And now these new folks were coming in who weren't even Jewish. They were Gentile, or you can read pagan, who were coming to the church. And now they were taking over and leading. And they had never gone through any of the stuff the first group of folks had gone through. And they were being treated the same. And it didn't seem right. Folks who've been there longer and worked harder, they were expecting more. And for some reason, those folks that came less, they should have less. That's just the way it works. But that's not how it works in the world of grace. You remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus? He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. It was sort of a deathbed conversion, which, by the way, is a great name for a band. Um, so, so, so this guy, who never followed Jesus at all, confessed right before he died, has a place in heaven just like Peter and John and James and all the rest of them, the same grace is available for a person the last 50 minutes of life as for the person who served God for 50 years. The rabbis had a saying, some enter the kingdom of God in an hour, others hardly enter in a lifetime. Now parables are like good jokes. They always have a punchline. And the punchline in this parable is verse 15, where God says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And that's the crux of it. Are you envious because I'm generous? There's one thing we need to understand in our theology to get by without being mad at God all the time. And here is the thing. God is not fair. God is generous. That's what God is. To, to put it another way, God lives out of this abundance mindset in everything God has ever done. God has done in abundance. God has always demonstrated this. Think of creation. Why did God create so much? God create, could have created the sun and the earth, and that, I mean, that would have worked. But he put the moon up there because it looks pretty cool at night. And he made some other planets. And then God could have made, you know, a dozen, two dozen stars. That would be enough to look at. But God's like, once he got started, God couldn't stop. God just kept creating, creating galaxies and creating billions and billions of stars, as the late Carl Sagan used to say. We're still discovering galaxies that God made, and we didn't even know we were there. When God created, God created with abundance, more than we would ever be able to understand or enjoy. And think about all the, the different species of animals they are. I mean, we're still discovering species of animals that we didn't know existed. I mean, God could have just made, you know, a horse and a cow and a dog and a cat and a few birds and some fish and said, yeah, that's enough. It's enough for them to interact with. But God never did that. God never said, well, that's enough. 
I was going to make a giraffe, but yeah, it looks kind of, it looks complicated. So, and frankly, I'm regretting making the cat. <laughs> so, so that's enough. That's all they need. But God, God never did that. God just kept creating in abundance, more than we can imagine. And what about the cross? The cross is a statement of love and forgiveness and grace and generosity and abundance. Abundance. Let me explain how the scarcity mindset works. A diamond is valuable because it's scarce. So your diamond, if it, those of you who are wearing a diamond, your diamond has value because there aren't a lot of them. Now, everyone else in this room who has a diamond is diminishing the value of your diamond. For them to have a diamond diminishes the value of yours because it's, it's rarity and, it, and the fact that it's, um, you know, the, the, the fact that uh, the, there's a finite supply is what makes yours valuable. And unfortunately, we're taught to think that way about everything. So we hoard and we don't want others to have what we have and we always find a reason why they don't deserve what we have. But here's how the abundance mindset works. See, the abundance mindset is the cornerstone of technology. Technology doesn't work on scarcity. It only works on abundance. Like take a cell phone. If you were, I mean, these things are getting expensive too. <laughs> They're getting quite valuable. But if you were the only person in the world that had a cell phone, your cell phone would not go up in value. It would be worthless. There'd be nobody to talk to. So in the abundance mindset, things are only valuable the more people that have them. All of social media works that way. Imagine that you were the only person in the world with a Facebook page. Wouldn't that be fun? You'd have to like your own pictures. <laughs> You'd have to post political memes and argue with yourself. <laughs> if you got mad, you could unfriend yourself. That'd be it. <laughs> but the more people that have social media, the more valuable it is. Because that's how it works. It's abundance. Abundance makes it worth more. Now, we tend to live our lives with either a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. Do you remember it was just a little over a year ago when the news reported that someone had hacked into um, our gas pipeline and shut off the flow of gas? Do you remember that? And then people with a scarcity mindset went and got every container they could find, shoved it in their car, ran down to the gas station, and got as much gas as they could possibly get. Not concerned that anybody else in the world might need gas. They got all they could get. And some of them put it in ridiculous containers and their cars caught on fire before they got home. Because they had to get theirs before somebody else got theirs. And the sad thing is that several experts came out after that and said, you know, if people had just gotten gas like normal, as they needed it, there would have not even been a problem. It would have barely been a blimp. But the hoarding and the scarcity mindset actually caused a real shortage problem 
happens every hurricane season. We get a hurricane warning, and people with a scarcity mindset run down to the store, and they don't just get what they need. They get every essential they can pack in their car. Forget about everybody else. Don't care if anybody else has anything or not, but when we get mine, I'm sure that guy coming out of Walmart with 27 cases of water needed that for he and his wife, you know. It's, it's that scarcity mindset that I, I've got to get mine. Somebody else is going to get it. And that scarcity mindset is a self-fulfilling prophecy. But you know, there's some people who've discovered that real life is found in abundance, not scarcity. They don't hoard. They share what they have. They don't just think of themselves, they think about others. And they don't feel diminished when something good happens to somebody else because there's enough to go around. They want everybody to have what they need. They believe there's enough food, there's enough money, and there's enough land for everybody. If we just stop hoarding and feeling diminished when somebody else gets a little bit of it. You either believe that there's not enough of the important things in life to go around, you better get yours before somebody else gets it. Or you believe that our gracious, generous God created a world in which there is abundance. There is enough money, there's enough food, there's enough love, there is enough love, there is enough grace to go around to everybody. And how we look at the world either through a scarcity or an abundance mindset, will determine how we live and how we treat others. Now, unfortunately, most of everything you hear and everything we hear tells us that it is a scarcity world and encourages us to live with a scarcity mindset. So you're not going to hear this anywhere else. So I'm going to say it today. Scarcity is a lie. Abundance is the truth. Or as Jesus said it, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Amen.